City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. You are listening to Inside the Hive on the All Hornets Podcast Network. One podcast feed with multiple shows, making sure we cover the Charlotte Hornets from every single angle. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review. The All Hornets Podcast Network is affiliated with the Fans First Sports Podcast Group. On today's show, we're joined by Matt Sponauer, co-host of the Stay Hot Sports Podcast, uh, mostly NFL with some NBA sprinkled in. I think that's the, a fair way to describe it, Matt. Anna, you are now a reoccurring guest. You've been on, I think, a couple of times now. Anna. I think so. I think for last episode when we did the same thing, and I, I want to say one other time, but I can't so, remember specifically when. Depths of COVID, I want to say. You came on, I think. Yeah, uh, back, yeah. Back in the heavy COVID times, we were probably locked down somewhere. So you are now on for your third time. And as you alluded to, uh, on today's show, we are doing a rehash of last year. And I'm, I like having our little annual tradition, and this is a second iteration of it, where we rank the Charlotte Hornets from most likely to least likely to return next year. Um, It's something that we did last season. It was a lot of fun. And that's why I wanted to have you back on to do it again one year on. And we can have a little think about some of our our lists and how it went. Um, So you looking forward to today's pod? Absolutely. I mean, any chance I get to talk about the Hornets. Uh, I'm, I'm excited and I always have a good time talking on here. Not too many, not too many people are interested in, in Charlotte overall, just for making videos in general. So it's good to be on a show where that's all we're talking about. And I don't know any Charlotte fans in real life. It's just me. And I live in Cincinnati, Ohio, not a hotbed for Hornets fans. So yeah, I'm glad to be here. Well, look, maybe one of our listeners, if you live in Cincinnati or in Ohio and you're listening to this podcast, hit up Matt. Let him know he needs a friend, at least in his state. Okay. Even if it's not <laughs> at, least, state, yeah, his at least in the state. Um, and I, I would ask you if you're enjoying the Hornet season so far. I don't think I really need to ask you about that. I don't think we need to spend too much time on that. We don't want to depress ourselves any m- m- anymore. It's Christmas, right? Um, but how are you coping is maybe a better question to ask. Well, you know, I. I... I sort of got the feeling that they maybe weren't going to be as good as I thought early on. And looking back on it, I should have been ready for it because they just didn't have any sort of serious plan with the guard rotation whatsoever. It shouldn't have been a surprise. I mean, that's something they could have solved this offseason and they just chose not to. But I'm coping by by saying, you know, we still have some young pieces here uh, and telling myself it's at least it's not as bad as the Panthers. They're not in that bad of a situation. Absolutely uh, and, not. And, you know, at least Brandon Miller, you know, if it's a Brandon Miller versus Bryce Young stock race right now, I think Brandon Miller's winning that comfortably. Yeah. And the Hornets have their first round pick this year. So like the Hornets you say, did not give up the first overall pick. No. no. Um, yeah. So I think long term things are maybe looking rosier, but let's we can't be around the bush here. It was always going to be a transition year of sorts, I think, with new ownership and I think that maybe explains some of the inactivity, but that doesn't make it any easier to watch the fans, right? Nope. Um, so no, it yeah, it's, it's been a tough slog. And uh, when you are listening to this, I should add, we are releasing this at some point over the holiday period. So the first thing we will see from us is a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everybody. If it's before Christmas, if it's after, I'm not sure yet, but this is some nice evergreen podcast content 
which you're going to be able to enjoy here. Uh, it does not matter when you are going to be laughing. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you will see we've gone to some extra lengths right here to add some Christmassy vibes to the YouTube show. So appreciate that. And we also have a nice Santa sound effect here. There he is right here. We're going to hear it over the, uh, over the course of the episode. Um, so before we get on to beginning our ranking lists, I'm just going to quickly reveal uh, my list from last year. Matt's got lost into the uh, ether of time. Uh, uh, and basically, I didn't have time to go back and listen to last year's pod to find it. But last year, um, I, I would say I would give, I grade myself harshly. I would give myself like a C, a C, mm -hmm. C plus maybe. I had a Lamella Ball, the most likely to be back. Bryce McGowan's next. Mark Williams next. Cody Martin. Okay, four for four, right? Hi Jones fifth. Not, not looking so good right now. Uh, that was a tough one. That was a scenario <laughs> you could not coming. have foreseen. Yeah, I was gonna say the like, logic who... there was was sound. It's yeah. just demanding a trade was was unexpected. Yeah. Uh Terror is there sixth. Gordon Hayward seventh. Nick Richards eighth. So again, like pr doing pretty well. But this is where my tough stretch comes. I had Jalen McDaniels, Dennis Smith Jr., Kelly Oubre ahead of JT Thor, PJ Washington, James Bucknight. Um, and obviously those three are all head of those previous three. Uh, I think Oubre was playing really well at the time. DSJ started the year well. And I think McDaniels was having a good year and he was obviously traded at the deadline. Um, finished off with Teo Maladon, which is only, uh, has only recently become, become a green light there as he was waived the other day. And Mason Plumley as the most likely to be traded, um, which was not a, a surprise when he got. In fact, no. the Christmas gift I asked for at the end of last year's pod, that's one thing we'll do at the end of this pod as well, was a Plumley trade to give more playing time to Mark, Nick, and Kai, and to make the team worse. And I think we got that right. We got that exact thing. So uh, last year's Christmas gift came true. Uh, let's see what we can uh, wrestle up for this year. Um, right, Matt, are you are you ready to go with your list? I'm ready to go. I got it in front of me. All right. So for the listeners to remind, our number one ranked player is the player most likely to be here at this time next year. If we have a match, you are going to hear our Santa Claus that you heard earlier when we have a player matching in the right place. Um, so Matt, I've spoken enough. Please give us your number one and why you have them ranked there. So I, I almost have a tier one with the first three players because they're all sort of in the same category and their ranking was sort of irrelevant to me. But my number one was LaMelo Ball, obviously. Star of the team. Uh, I don't see too many ways he could be off. Uh, I can give you my next two if you'd like. Well, you'll you'll notice that Santa is I, I did notice. I did yeah. notice. You don't have LaMelo Ball at one. Do you have him at a sneaky two or a sneaky three? Because maybe there's possibly some chance he asks out um i have him this is i mean we're gonna start hot right from the stay hot podcast maybe this is this is why i've done this i have them ball at three do you have them at um, three i do uh now i agree with you this tier is like 99 percent. like some serious stuff would have to go wrong for any of these guys so this is not me thinking that the metal ball is not going to be here but if you ask me to rank these top three then this is the order I'm going to go in. So you have uh, Lamelo Ball at one. I mean, maybe we could like say, let's talk about the, this three as a group. Okay, so you mm -hmm. had Lamelo Ball one. Who did you have two? Brandon Miller. Okay, you had Brandon Miller two, and then you had uh, Mark, Mark Williams Mark Williams three. at three, right. Okay, so, so I had Brandon Miller one. I had Mark Williams two, Lamelo Ball three. Um, let's go straight to Lamelo. My reason 
I had Lamelli three was I I think still think he's the best player on the team. I don't think mm-hmm. that's in question. But for me, it comes down to one. I think it's fair to say that he is an injury prone player right now. Um, yeah. And if you are looking to make changes, that is a factor that both I don't think Mark Williams or Brandon Miller have. Um, combined with the injury prone, he is a your biggest salary in the team, which is not great when your biggest salary in the team is also injury prone. Now his extension will have kicked in. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's say you hire a Ime Adoka type coach, right? That's what Houston did. As soon as he went there, he said, we don't want James Harden because like, we cannot play the defensive system that I want to do with James Harden here. And the Houston Rockets went from having Harden as the number one guy to signing Dylan Brooks and Fred Van Vliet. Right. Um, and if you hire a similar-minded coach, which I think a lot of fans would say this team needs a defensive-minded coach, which I'd argue they kind of already have, um, then maybe there is someone who looks at Lamella Ball and says, I cannot build a working defensive system with Lamella Ball. I, now, I don't think Hornets have you know, the enough talent to be able to do that. But if we're trying to split really, really thin margins here, that was my reasoning to have Lamella third, was the contract the injuries and then just the the defensive approach and like also some some of the leadership things you know if you want your your best player your highest paid player long term maybe a new regime comes in and they want your more classical i don't know your archetype leader that we they were used to in nba history which i wouldn't describe lamella ball as that i don't think he's a bad teammate i don't think he's a bad guy but i don't think he is a leader of men like maybe some front office personnel would like their best player to be. And I think it will be a new front office and coach next year. So that is my reasoning to split the hairs very marginally to have Lamella Ball 3. Yeah, I, I can see the argument. I think, honestly, if I were to put Lamella Ball down in that top tier where I think there's no chance, I'd say, like, if, if any of them were going to, like, request a trade, Lamello could do it in a yep. way that, like, Brandon And that's another one. Never, that is another one. And, and Mark Williams would never. Uh, but I just had them ranked based off of like how good assets they were pretty much, which probably isn't as in-depth as like, well, maybe this outside ridiculous possibility happens. They're all going to be back. Uh, I'm very confident of it. Uh, but, but I see some of your logic. However, I don't think that there's any world where Charlotte would hire a coach that is not focused around getting the best out of LaMelo ball. Yeah, I I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um but let's say Brandon Miller, Mark Williams too. I mean, I've never spoken to you about the scoop Brandon Miller thing. I mean, let's touch on that quickly. Uh, were you were you staunchly camped on one side of that debate? I was. And, and I, I, made... I'm very much on scoop. Okay. So, what have you made of Brandon Miller so far? Are you at the point where you've been impressed what you've seen? Are you are you thinking that like you were waving the white flag and that Brandon Miller is no question ahead of scoop, or is it kind of promising early returns? But let's wait and see. Well, it's promising early returns, but let's wait and see. I mean, look, Scoot is, you know, a 6'2", hyper-athletic guard. Him being wildly inefficient to start his career should not be a surprise to anybody, especially on a team that I don't think spaces out the best all the time. Uh, I think he's going to get better. I think he's going to be a star. Um, Him having a super inefficient season as a rookie is something we've seen before. We saw it from, you know, like – Darius Garland did that, and he's turned into a great player. I mean, he was like one yeah. of the efficient players in the NBA. I mean, even Anthony Edwards, not to this extent, but Anthony Edwards was super inefficient to start his career, although he's a little bit bigger and makes it a little bit easier. 
Uh, Jordan Poole was really bad as a rookie, although he's kind of dipped back into his inefficiency now that he's on the Wizards. Uh, but Kemba, Kemba, yeah, it's like it, it, it it's really pretty common. Uh, and if, if anybody's panicking on on a tick like that after twenty games, I don't know what to tell you. However, Miller has looked really good. You should be you should be positive about it. Um, his his three point shooting has looked fantastic the last ten games. I think he's hitting like half of his threes or something just totally ridiculous he's looked like he's had a lot of defensive potential he's obviously got a lot of potential to create his own shot he's got a pretty good feel for the game that way and you can see the paul george influences so yeah i'm really happy with miller i don't think it's impossible there's a world where miller ends up being the better player but i'm not really gonna form a take this early when you know we we haven't really seen uh, enough to to call anything first 20 games of a rookie season is yeah incredibly volatile and it's it's a marathon not a sprint no i i absolutely agree i know hornets fans are very eager to to kind of jump on the you know mitch got that decision right and and i was i always said that i i prefer the tape of brandon miller over scoot henderson lead up to the draft so I would be the one of the first people to kind of jump onto that that island to, to make that claim. But even I'm, you know, not stupid enough. Again, if you think back to that rookie year, like Anthony Edwards would be like maybe second or third. He really struggled that first half of the rookie year, and then he just took off. Right. Yeah, and then and, so, and after All Star break, he was ridiculous. Yeah, we we can't be making any uh, any final decisions just yet. So, uh, and Mark, we've not we've not talked about much of Mark. I think, you know clearly has defensive potential actually played really well on the offensive end this year especially um really agile for his size rebounds the ball probably like maybe hasn't quite been the defensive impact that i was hoping he would maybe have this year um but i think that's partly down to everything around him the system he's still lacking a little bit of strength he's still coming to terms with like playing guys for the first time i still think he's got elite defensive potential i just think at the minute he's still learning the NBA game. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. And and for most centers, it takes a while for them to to, to grow into things. Um, you've seen some dudes be pretty quick about it. Lively's made a big impact for Dallas early. Uh, but a lot of guys, it takes two, three years for them to really start to reach that. And I guess that's true for every position. But being a defensive anchor in the NBA is so technical. It's so much about positioning yourself correctly, even if you are really talented. And we've seen Mark do that before, so I'm not worried about him either. I still think he's a core piece for Charlotte. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. This is where it starts to get a little bit more interesting. Who is your fourth-ranked player? I'd say P.J. Washington is my fourth-ranked player. Yeah, okay. I, I think I think there's very little chance that they decide to move on from him. Um I understand, you know, every everybody outside of this, I, I think, has some potential to be moved. But Washington is not the type of player after they signed him to what is, uh, I still think, a very good contract uh, that they're going to move unless it's like packaging him and something else up to like sort of trade up into a big thing. And I don't think they're in a position to do that at all. So I, I think the odds that PJ goes anywhere is pretty unlikely. So do you envision PJ as a as a starter on this team or or do you like not even think it matters? Um yeah, what do you, what's your kind of vision this this time next year? What are you envisioning PJ to roll him to be playing? Uh, I think he could potentially be a starter. Um 
kind of depending on how the Miles Bridges situation goes down, but I, I don't think it matters. You know, having being the first guy off the bench is still a very, very big role. It's still, you know, whatever he's getting right now, like 30 minutes a night. Uh, how he would get off this team, I mean, there's really not that many guys who are on contract for sure, like guaranteed, like making real money next year. He's one of them. And I'd say of everybody, he's probably, you know, uh, among the guys that I've heard the least trade talks about. Very interesting. Uh, okay, PJ Washington, I have lower down the list. So um, I'll reveal at four, I had Nick Smith Jr., uh, the first round pick from this from this last year's draft, um, 29th pick or 30th pick around there. Um, you know, I, I think this has come down to just like first round picks don't generally get moved in year, like before the end of year two. So, I mean, I kind of had a little bit of that logic with Kai Jones. Obviously, he was a, a year or two later down the line. But I even think from the flashes that we've seen from Nick Smith, both in Greensboro and both with the Charlotte Hornets and in Summer League, like there's been enough explosive offensive flashes. And, and I mean explosive. Like his bevy of shot making is hugely impressive. Uh, for, you know, he is just like born to score the basketball and he plays like he's not just someone who then just like takes the defensive end off. He actually plays really hard mm -hmm. and, you know, gets back on defense. Like you can see he plays with good energy and he communicates well. Um, you just, just generally feel like he has a positive like influence being around. So I had Nick Smith Jr. just generally being a first round pick who has shown some stuff. Um, and I think any, you know, any front office coming in would be keeping him around to have a look next year. So I had Nick Smith Jr. for. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair. I, I think that logic is sound. Again, the only way that you could possibly see them moving off of him is like, we're trying to go trade for some star player and we want to throw in like prospects and picks. The odds of the Hornets doing that are yeah. incredibly unlikely. But I'd say it's, you know, still, I, I guess, a hypothetical chance. You know, we're, yeah. we're, we're still talking about guys who, who are probably going to be back on the team. I have Nick Smith at five. Okay, so we were pretty close. Yeah, to that, so so the the logic I, I 100% agree on. Okay, uh, let's move to your number six then. If you had uh, PJ four, Nick Smith five, let's move. Well, who to do you six. have at five? Uh, I have Cody Martin. Which, well, go on. I have Cody Martin at six. Okay, there you see. I thought I was going to have Cody a lot. No, higher no, because he's under contract. It's a really cheap contract, and like. He honestly, he honestly might be four if we really mm. think about it, because I don't think anybody would really take him back in a trade other than for exactly. matching salary. Exactly. You know, I, yeah. I think he's a good player when he sees the court, but he, I mean, you know, he hasn't seen the court in forever now. So I, I think any team looking at him who is, you know, not, you know, not the Hornets, if they see the Hornets are trying to trade him away, you've got to assume the absolute worst, which is basically like, we don't know if he's going to play. And I, you have to look at him as just, you know, straight up like dead salary. And I, I think maybe, again, in a world where like they were trading up for a big star and they for some reason needed Martin as the matching contract, I'm sure whatever team probably wouldn't care that much. But like he's, he's not going to get moved. No, I, I agree. Nobody's given him assets to move um, move for Cody Martin. Uh, and like I, I know this from speaking to people around the team, like nobody. Nobody values Cody Martin in the entire NBA and realizes how important that he is for their team as much as the Charlotte Hornets. Like, 
Um, they have hated not having him available. They mm-hmm. absolutely love him. Like just a team first winning player. Like you can't describe many players in the Hornets as winning players. And that's what he is. Um, and I think they will give him every chance for the remainder of his contract to get healthy. I personally, I just am skeptical that he will ever reach back to those healthy levels ever again. Uh, even if he comes back and plays, I expect him to probably be managing something maybe for the rest of his career, which is extremely worrying. Um, and he does have, obviously, after this season, here's another year on his contract, but that, then it's uh, non-guaranteed after that, right? So they're not, it was a four-year contract, fourth year was non-guaranteed. So, but yeah, I'm surprised. I think a lot of Hornets fans would have Cody Martin way lower down because it's like, if you can't play and you're not going to be healthy, like we need more depth in this team. You got to, you got to get out of here. Right. But like you said, I don't think you want to be giving up assets to move Cody Martin, which is, I think what you'd have to do right now. Yeah. I I think they're, it's a tough position. I don't blame Charlotte, but they're, they're going to hold on to him for another year. And then if he plays great, if not, that uh, non-guaranteed year probably won't come to a fruition. If Cody had a surgery, let's say another knee surgery this year or in the summer that rule like ruled him out for a large portion of, or next year as well. At that point, again, would you just like sit on him basically and wait for him to expire? Or would then you be more proactive? If you knew there was no chance he's ever coming back, would you even, 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 even if I knew there were a 99% chance that he would not play next year, yeah. my options are cut him, which I wouldn't do because it'd be just as easy to keep him on the team, to be completely honest with you. Or I could give up assets to trade him away and free up that $8 million, which I just don't think is a move that Charlotte needs to be making. So yeah. Cap space is, is not that valuable to them. It's a very small amount of money. You almost never see teams make a move to to get off of an $8 million contract or seven and a half or whatever it is. So I, I would probably just end up keeping him and and they're not in a position where they know for a fact, he's never going to play again right now. So yeah. I, I, I see him on the team next year. Almost no question. Okay. All right. Please reveal your next player. My next player is Terry Rozier at number seven. I know there's a lot of. There we go. We have our first match of the part. Ring of would be great. I also don't think they're going to move off of Rozier. I mean, their guard rotation is already rough. Uh, it's it's incredibly easy to envision. We trade Rozier to some contending team, and to be completely honest, I wonder what his value would be to a contending team if you could even get a first back. How exactly that would work. Um. Well, we're in this weird part in the NBA where I think you could easily get a first now, but it'll be like a top. It'll be a first, which has like the upside to be pick number twenty-four, right? Right. And you know, everything I, is yeah. so protected now, or it's a pick swap where like there's loads more first-round picks traded, but very few that ever seem to really convey in the lottery. And that's the kind of NBA world we seem to have involved to now. GMs have got a lot more cautious with with how they move these firsts. Right, yeah, they they could get a first. I mean, he's been playing, uh, I think, pretty well this year. Yeah, I think um, that's probably one of his best years, playing both on and off ball with limited pieces around him. He's done. I thought he's done a really admirable job considering the situation. He's, he's all he's always been in a, in a tough position uh, with being on Charlotte. They've they've never put him in that that great of a spot outside of a couple years ago. Uh, and, and he's 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 a, a fan favorite. I don't think they should move him. 
but again, even even if they're like, we want to be sellers, I, I mean, how easy is it to imagine you move Rozier, something happens to LaMelo, your guard rotation is just point blank a disaster at that point, easily the worst in the NBA, like a G League level rotation almost immediately. They aren't in that mindset with cup check. Now, maybe maybe a new general manager comes in and, and completely tears things down, but I don't think they're going to do that. Um, and it, it's definitely a little bit more possible that somebody comes in with a new line of thinking and they say, this guy is you know, going to be 30 next year. That doesn't fit our timeline. We're going to move him. And then we're going to go out and, and get some serious rotation guards or we like the development of some of the young guys. That's totally possible. But the likelihood is that they're just going to sit on on Rozier, uh, and and I, I don't think they're wrong to do that. So I've got him here at seven. Definitely now entering a little bit more likely to be moved. Uh, there, there's definitely some debates about these guys being moved now, uh, but I, I still see him keeping Rozier. Yeah, it's it's on the table for the right move, but I, I'm with you. Um, I think the ideal role for Terry Rozier is to be the sick man for this team. Like, this is me looking forward if I'm coming to the team. I love what he brings from a leadership perspective. I love what he brings from a scoring perspective, from a ball handling perspective. If he's your sixth man, you've got a perfect, like, backup if if uh, Lamella Ball goes down with a, with another injury in future years. Um, and, like, this team needs more veteran presence. It needs more guys who play kind of, like, the right competitive way. And Terry Zier is probably the guy that you would, like, describe who does that currently. And I just think losing that kind of guy from this team, you'd need to be replacing him with like the next Shane Battier in terms of like, you know, being able to be that veteran in the locker room and set an example. So uh, I'm with you. I think Terry's here. I understand the idea of like, you have to start retooling this and you can't bring everybody back. I'm completely on board with that. But he is one of the guys that I would try and hold on to through this retool. Cause I think it will be a retool. Um, just because he's so versatile. And like you said, I don't think you're ever going to get back the value more than what he means for Charlotte um, in whatever role that is, whether it's starting, whether it's off the bench, you're never going to get that upside back. So I'm with you, Terry Zero at seven. Again, I think maybe higher than some Charlotte Hornets fans who view him as like, oh, let's trade him away now for draft picks. I, There just has to be balance here. We've seen what happens when you have too many young draft picks on the roster. We've seen that over the last three years. Mm -hmm. And Terry Zier has been one of the few consistents throughout that. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree. Okay, please reveal your number eight player. Nick Richards is my number eight player. Um, okay. He is the last guy we're talking about with a fully guaranteed contract next year. Uh, that alone puts him here. Uh, now, I don't think Richards has been particularly strong overall this season. Uh, but what he is, is is a cheap rotation player. I, I don't think he'd really have a market. So what his path is to being off this team is like a matching salary in a trade. And I, I just don't expect Charlotte to be that aggressive making a move. And even then, his matching salary is only $5 million. Uh, He maybe could be even higher on this list just because I, I, I don't see how he gets off this team necessarily. Yeah, I'm right on board with you. Uh, I mean, I think he's had a bit of an interrupted year with that concussion and he struggled a little bit since coming back from that. But I still think he is one of like the better backup fives in the league. I mean, if you look at all the playoff teams right now that need backup bigs. I guess that's like, true. I guess that's true. I, I, I don't know if I would really trust him to be like 
a super, super positive backup big in a playoff run or anything, though. But there are a lot of teams who have just, you know, completely unserious options. Yeah, and, and that's, and... that's the thing. Like, if you're, I don't know, the Dallas Mavericks, right, and you've got Derek Lively at the minute, but, like, Nick Richards could be a guy in there. Um, there's there's other teams that are struggling with backup fives. And he's, like, a perfectly good, like, screen, rim run, like, can block shots, plays with good energy. Like, if Nick just cut out the goaltends, the offensive screens, the turnover, like, all these little things... Just the mistakes. If you could just cut out the mistakes, the rest of it fine. Like there was that terrible shot that he took against the Timberwolves where he tried to challenge Gobert at the rim, like with this like soft left hand. Like that's just like a decision making no, issue, right? Um, so if but you could see, just cut I, out and, and but things, the thing is, is that those teams they always go for the veterans who don't have those decision making. You're right. You're right. Even even if they are far past their prime, and that's why you see Dwayne Dedman. Jo- Dwayne Dedman on a team. You see DeAndre Jordan on a team. You see, um, you know, JaVale McGee was on the Mavericks. Like, that's right. the type of guys that they go after. I don't think Nick Richards fits that. He's a perfectly acceptable backup big, uh, but I, I just don't see the Charlotte Hornets moving him. And this is one of those things. When you start looking at this team and go, well, where can we get, where can we upgrade with, like, leadership, veteran presence, which this team, like, desperately needs? Um, the, you know, Mark Williams is going to be here. Right, Lamella Ball's going to be here. Randy Miller's going to be here. You start, you start running out of positions pretty quickly. And like M- Nick Richards is a perfectly respectable backup five. Uh, I again, yeah, I do think he's probably one of the better ones in the league. Uh, probably like top five, top eight backup center in the league. But even if you downgraded a little bit, but you brought in someone like you say with that off court presence, I could, I could understand that. Um, you've still not mentioned my number six ranked player, but I, I'm going to let you keep going here. Um, so I didn't please even give us. Realize. Your number nine. My, my right number right. nine is is Bryce McGowan's. There we go. That that's who I had six. So we just turned upside down there. The six. I'm nine. not very high on Bryce. Well, I can I, I can tell from your. I, I I don't I don't think. Look, I, I this is another guy where you know I I think he'll be back. I do. He's cheap. He's young. Team needs guards. There's a spot for him. Right. Like yeah, I I can totally totally see him being back. But I don't think he's been particularly strong. And who knows, maybe they like Nick Smith better and maybe they had a couple of veterans and maybe somebody's got to be the odd man out. And I, I don't know if his contract is partially guaranteed or, or non-guaranteed entirely, but that makes it very easy to make him the odd man out. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but but what I've seen from him so far is just, just not a great decision maker, I don't think. Not a strong defender. He's looked a little bit improved for sure. And and again, I, I think the team will probably ride it out a little bit longer with him. Um, but I haven't been super, super impressed so far. So I, I've, I've got, yeah. And, and again, everybody ahead of him, guaranteed contract and on the team next year. That alone makes them more likely to be back. So I, I don't want to be too, too low on him, but he hasn't taken some like major leap where I'm like, okay, this is going to be, you know, even necessarily a serious rotation player for the Hornets. I'm not convinced of that. And if you don't necessarily have to pay him, then yeah, there, there's definitely some potential for him to get off the team. Yeah, look, even though I have him six, I don't actually disagree with anything that you said there. Uh, he has a fully non-guaranteed deal for next year, for next two years, actually. Um, I'd probably give him the benefit of the doubt, just being like a young player who played really well in the G League last year. And he seems to like be at the front of the leaky black Nick Smith Jr., uh, James Buck Knight rotation, which 
I don't know if that's much I mean, to that's, shout about. That's <laughs> a heck of an but, accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, he seems to be at the front of there at the minute. So I think I, I probably gave him a little bit of a bump for that. Um, but this is the weird thing, right? The Charlotte Hornets fans will, will complain about the team and the lack of vet. But equally, they'll be like, well, we don't want to get rid of him. We drafted him two years ago. And you're right. At some point, I don't know what the phrase is. The time meets the road. There's there's something around something meeting a road somewhere. Rubber um, meets the road. The rubber meets the road. There we go. At, at some point, you like got to start basically saying, uh, we need to fill out this roster with better players. And like, right. Bryce McGowan's might be good in 2028. Can you wait five years to get to then? Like, I, I understand a new GM who didn't draft these guys who might be wanting to go for a certain, you know, if, if they only see like Bryce McGowan's as being a backup and they want all their backups to be plus defenders, then yeah, maybe you decide to move on from that. It does come down to style and what you're going for. So I, I'm not mad at it, even though I have him three spots higher. Yeah. And it's, 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 you know, I, I would, I would hundred percent agree with him having that high. If, if he was like a first round pick, but the capital that we invested on in him is not so high where it guarantees a third year. And with a new general manager, if he's not showing serious signs of improvement by the end of the year, I think it's absolutely, absolutely possible. Again, meaning yep. that you can just straight up cut him with no penalty that he could be off the team. Yeah, I don't disagree. Okay, your 10th ranked player. My 10th ranked player is JT Thor. There we go. We're thinking back up again with JT Thor. Um, I, oh, I can't remember. I, where, where did I have JT Thor last year? I'm curious. Uh, I, I had him for pretty much actually in this. I think I had him 11 last year. So he's not really. He somehow moved up, even though I think he's maybe got worse. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Well, we're, we're talking about there are 10 players on contract for the Hornets. Yes next year we have him last um and that that's because he just hasn't shown growth this year not significantly no. and you know he's only 21 and he came in as a super raw player and i think there's absolutely a world where he gets around in the g league for a while and then sort of you know and, and later in his 20s he starts to become like a serious role player it's absolutely possible but um defensively he hasn't really shown what you need instincts wise um, he's he's a very very limited offensive player, and I, I I think that he's he's absolutely fighting for a roster spot. Again, I'd say the odds of him being back are maybe fifty fifty, maybe fifty fifty. I I don't know. A, a second round pick in his third year, not showing growth. You're you. I I think that it might actually be more likely he's off the team, uh, but he is so under contract, so. The rebuttal I would offer to that is if you looked at it last year, I would, you know, JT thought at the same time of year, a similar situation. But then he got that stretch, that opportunity towards the end of the season, that last 15 games where he shot the ball well from three. He played good defense and, and the game just really seemed to slow down for him. And it was his best stretch. And you thought after that, and then there were the rumors at training camp that he looked good. He put on some more weight as well that he'd come in. But you're right. He's actually slid back from where he was at right. the end of last season. And like we all know what JT Shaw should be as a player. Mm -hmm. He should be a disruptive defender, lockdown defender, who can switch and who can hit threes. Like right. even if he can't dribble, which he can absolutely cannot. I mean, no. outside of he must have one of the worst ball handling abilities in the league for anyone who doesn't play the five position. It is like a 
journey even, of even, even stacking him up against fives. It's it's <laughs> bad. And yeah. I, I I seriously question even if you can, you know, sit in the corner and space out properly and you can hit threes, which to be clear at this time he cannot. To be I, I think he's shooting like 32% from three on like an attempt and a half a game. Granted, I guess that's in super limited minutes. Um, but having somebody who just completely cannot put the ball on the floor whatsoever, that is a liability. Even if you tell them, just go sit in the corner and don't do anything. To have somebody who is who is that limited offensively is, is rough. And right now, if he can't shoot, he is one of the most limited offensive players in the entire NBA. So... Yeah. Again, second round pick capital is not so much where you're guaranteed a fourth year like maybe a first round pick would be. I, I, I uh, this this last stretch of the season or the, these these next fifty games or sixty games or whatever is sitting out right now is is going to be everything for him. If he shows growth, I'm confident he will be back. If he doesn't, I feel pretty good that he won't. But like you said, in in these three years going forward, where would you say that JT Thor has improved? you'd say like the three-point shooting has got a little bit better, but going from 22% to 30% is is not enough when you are... It's that, a that little bit better, and he's taken a few more of them a game, and it, it is a process. And if, if we ended the season and he, he started shooting well from three again and he was like sitting around like 34% on like two and a half attempts, we'd say, okay, that's just enough improvement again so where we can sort of start to see the vision, but... Even then, uh, you know, can't put the ball on the floor is 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 tough. Not some like great finisher around the rim or anything. Oh, awful! Allergic I, to the rim. Fifty-three percent I mean, at the rim for a six-foot-ten guy. Like who? Get, whenever you see him go up around the rim, you just know he's going to get blocked. Like it is so. It's, it's, like he has just no skill, ability to finish around any sort of defense. It's, I mean, you look back at that 2021 class. I mean, oh, do we have to? It's Christmas time. I, that's do, do the people have to relive that night again? It's, uh, you know what? I was so high on them and I was so glad that they took these shots on like guys who it's like they need some development, but yeah. their, their ceilings are high. And I don't think a single one of them is going to play for any team other than Charlotte. I think the odds are that's the case. I, I mean, it's, it's none of them have, have, have contributed even good rotational minutes yet. So it's, yeah. it's every single one of them has actively hurt the team. Every single second they've been on the floor yep. for two, two going on three years now. Yep. And that is just a fact. Um, yeah. Okay. Sorry, JT. That, that got, that got negative quickly. Um, the one thing I will say, let's give some positives. Steve Clifford very much does seem to like the guy, you know, he spoke multiple times last year about his approach, like his locked in on, uh, in film sessions and locked into the scouting plan. So I think maybe he is a, a, a really good worker, which is one of the things, which that's where the, the worry is like, well, if he's a great worker and he's not got that much better than, then that's where the concern is. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's pretty much as, as positive as I can get on JT Thor this year. Uh, Matt, give us your 11th ranked player. My 11th rank, ranked player is Miles Bridges. Okay. I... Now, to be clear, I don't really want him back on the team. Uh, this has been, you know, a whole situation, and uh, it's it makes him tougher to root for, no question. But the reality is, is that the Hornets made a decision on bringing back Miles based off of, you know, who he was as a player. And when I look at their free agents right now, uh, which there's five of them, uh, he's easily the best and easily, you know, the most important to the team. 
Now, maybe you could argue that because of that, there could be other suitors that could draw him away. But I, I would argue that if another player just doesn't have any suitors, then the Hornets probably also wouldn't want to bring them back. So I, I do have him at 11. I, I think that's going to be a player that maybe the team is actively trying to bring back. But it's so difficult to understand exactly how that situation is going to play out because of the whole new front office and potentially a new general manager. And I, I would hope that the team, you know, maybe is, is just trying to get this over with. But I, I can't really tell. So if you if you have him at 15 and, and you're confident that, you know, a new front office is going to come in and then not want to bring him back, I could get on board with that. But if I'm just ranking the the free agents based off of like what they mean to this team or like from an on-court perspective, he's got to be number one. A mm. uh, question. Did you include the two-way players in these rankings? I did not. Okay. Well, in that case, <laughs> then we are Matt Miles Bridges at 11. Uh, I had Amari Bailey a little bit higher up. Right, right, right. And Amari, Amari Bailey, yeah, I, I think it's incredibly likely. Um that, yeah, that I, I had him back, between Terry Rozier and Nick Richards. So I had him up at eight, just because, again, he's like a freshman guy. Right, um, right. So he right. was always a project. And like he's shown both in the G League and in Summer League, like he's shown enough things where you're like, oh, there's, there's something yeah. there. Like I have no idea what type of player he is and how he impacts an NBA game, but there's there's some ability there that I think you invest in that for a couple of years and at least see where it goes. Um, Miles Bridges. Everyone needs to realize who Miles Bridges' agency is. Clutch sports. Clutch are famous for getting their guys paid the most and making things awkward for their team. Um, in fact, very interestingly, Clutch represented OG Ananobi last year. You remember all those reports about OG Ananobi wanting a bigger role, uh, wanting to be a, an offensive focal, focal point. Well, OG Ananobi got rid of Clutch <laughs> as his agency after those, uh, those reports leaked because that is Clutch trying to drum up you know, twist the NBA media and GMs to try and get OG Ananobi uh, in, in a situation, getting paid more money. Um, and from what I hear, Clutch were extremely supportive of Miles all the way through his off-the-court issues. Um, and I have a feeling that, you know, the fact that he didn't sign uh, an extension with the team and they weren't even really close this offseason after, after everything that went through, and there was the Jake Fisher report, which a lot of look, a lot of Charlotte fans kind of bit right back. Even Miles Bridges wrote the question mark on social media, which everyone seemed to think was him saying he's resigning. Well, again, I just don't buy that, right? If Miles comes out and says that's not true, I'm going to resign in Charlotte. Fine. Just putting a question mark is not the uh, the solid statement of intent that I would be looking for. A question even mark even even if it media. was, man, how many times do you see yeah, players? Yeah, exactly. Nobody nobody's gonna say with sixty games left to go in this season. Yeah, guys, I'm for sure not coming back. I don't want to <laughs> exactly. be here. Like, no, yeah. I, I I think there's some real chance. I mean, I agree. Clutches is, is a very aggressive agency. Uh, I again, I don't know if any other team is gonna pursue him or how that's going to work from an on on the court standpoint. They absolutely would. What teams think about that, uh, the, the, the off-court stuff? I, I really couldn't tell you exactly how that's going to play out. You know what? Um, I, I just have such like little faith just looking at how the NBA has functioned over the years that players who are that good, who have these situations, I don't really see them at the league. I just don't, right? No, if, no. If, I, if you're I, I, a borderline NBA player, you're gone, right? If you're not good enough, 
But when you're someone who is Miles Bridges, I I really don't know if there'll be many teams who will say we're not going to pursue him on the basis of his off-court stuff. Um, I'm, I think there's probably maybe, maybe I'm just a skeptic. No, no, yeah. I, no. I I think that's not skepticism. You're you're just um, reading the tea leaves on how realist. every every yeah every other situation has been handled for the rest of you know all of history with the NBA with this stuff. Uh, again, I, dude, I, I just you know the team is 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 tougher to root for with him on it. You know, you see the Eric Collins stuff where he doesn't want to like call the the plays as hard for him, and it's just like, man, you know, we we could we we could turn a corner here with new ownership and say that's not what we want to do, and I, I think it would buy back a lot from the fans, and I I, I hope that's what they do. I think that's absolutely fair. In terms of basketball terms, look, it's clear he's probably the second or third best defensive player on the team. His defense this year has continued to be pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, and again, like, if you're someone who thinks Miles Bridges is part of the core, like, I I understand that point of view. But then equally, I think, well, Brandon, Lamelo, Miles, Mark, there's four of your starting five that have already been here this year. And like, that's a 30th ranked defense. And those four are already on the team. Like how is that? Yeah, yeah, I, I 100% agree. It's, it's not not everybody can be a core player. And I guess the idea would be like, well, Lamelo's going to play more. Ho- hopefully, hypothetically, I guess the idea is like, well, if Lamelo doesn't play more, we're kind of screwed already. So you have to hold out for that. And then Miller and Mark will improve, and then I guess Miles will stop being uh, terrible on defense somehow, uh, and then that that'll fix it. Or we could blame it all on like Terry Rozier or something and trade him. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I I 100% agree. There can only be so many core players to a team that is bad. Exactly. And this is where I think new front office comes in without ties to these players. You know, none of this history of drafting them. They'll probably come in and make cold, hard decisions. And I think that's what's going to happen. Okay, next up, give me your, is it your number 12th ranked player? Yeah, now we're really getting down to it for the record. And any order would not be like a, a a shock. I have Gordon Hayward at twelve. Okay, he doesn't he doesn't that. he doesn't fit the timeline. I don't think you know he's he's been you know a perfectly fine player for Charlotte for a while. He's he's even he's he's been good, um, but he, he's starting to get up there in age, and I think Charlotte could absolutely look to go in a new direction. But the three guys I have ranked below him, I think, are straight up not good. I don't think they're good NBA players. And I, I think that a lot of them are from a regime that probably won't be uh, back next year. So if we're, again, looking at the terms of the free agents, maybe the idea is we strike out on some other depth, like wing guys, and Hayward is already a part of the team, and he's been here a long time, and we could get him super cheap, and that would cause the Hornets to bring him back. Uh, not, not the most likely thing in the world, uh, but I, I think more possible than them sticking it out with any of the other three guys that I have. Yeah. I mean, the guy I had ranked in this spot was Frank Nilakina, uh, just like a smidge ahead of Gordon Hayward. Uh, right. And we've not even seen Frank Nilakina play a single NBA minute this year, apart from preseason. I see but, him as a total Clifford guy. And you're right. This is the first note I've got down here right here is came to Charlotte for Clifford. And he said right. that basically in an interview that he spoke to Batum um, he spoke to Tony Parker, who worked with Clifford, and he thinks that he would fit his coaching style. So I'm I'm completely in agreement. 
Um, I guess there's part of me that thinks because we haven't seen it, there is a world where he plays, he sh- he plays well defensively, shoots a good ball, and then yeah. when you bring it in, that you go, actually, we need some good defensive players in this team, and Frank Nilakina is here already. Look, he's an unrestricted free agent. If he plays well, he could go anywhere, and it's going to be a changeable situation with probably a new coach. So I completely agree with you. I just think I had that possibility that he plays well, enjoys it, likes it here, and the team want him back. Uh, which is a bit of an unknown, slightly over the known that I think, you know, Gordon Hayward, I just, you don't see players making that kind of money who are that good at that age, re-signing for less with teams as bad. It's just such, such a rare occurrence. Um, And if it happened and he came back for 10 million a year to be a bench player and to finish off his career, I'd be fine with that. But I just don't think that is a likely possibility and um, there's there's some truth that somebody he, you know there's probably better teams that would would consider him as a rotation player that he'd rather go to um that's that's totally totally fair again splitting hairs i have frank next on my list mm-hmm. uh for some of the similar reasons uh we're getting down in, into rotation players he's a clifford oh, yeah. guy but but hypothetically hypothetically he comes in and he plays well and you know, we were so thin at guard that they're like, yeah, we'll bring him back as a veteran who does some of the stuff that, you know, we're lacking right now. That's completely possible. Still not sold his guard either. I know that's what we signed him for, but like before before he came to Charlotte, I was just like all out on Frank Nilakina being a point guard. Like you are a wing. Um, so I look, he's I think he's gonna probably go as the backup point guard when he's back healthy, and he probably will have played by the time you're listening to this because he was uh, practicing with the swarm earlier today. Um, that's right but yeah be interesting okay this is we're getting down to a bottom two now this is big moment right here who is gonna it's between ish smith and james Bucknight for our 14th and 15th position this is what the people have been listening for um who is your 14th and 15th rank player i have book night at 14 oh no we don't and even I have, match <laughs> i have ish smith. they're not bringing back ish smith <laughs> maybe in some now granted they're not bringing back book night either. if they bring him back as coach does that count because okay maybe that's all right <laughs> i'll give you that but is smith coming back as like an assistant coach type position is, is probably more likely i don't can know I request maybe that you swap your last two just so i can play all right i'll swap them I, I, yes. I was going back and forth thank you let's just so we can have santa one book night has shown you know book night always makes me think about um People are like, what? why isn't this young player playing? Commonly asked question. It yep. circles all the time around every team. Why isn't this young player playing? And unfortunately, the answer to that 90% of the time is the exact same thing, which is they aren't very good. Book night, um, you know, I, I wonder if if Charlotte did not do a good job developing him, and but I, I can't speak on that. What I can speak on is, is what was on the court, which is, I mean, he's probably, you know, among the worst players to get even rotational minutes over the last few years. Um, it just looked like the most limited NBA guy I've ever seen in terms of just what he could do and what they had him do. I mean, how many times would they just like have him like run off a screen and just like fire up a three immediately, just trying to get the ball out of his hands so quick. It, it felt like super, super constant. And and then you've got, you know, this, this injury stuff that he's working through and he just hasn't panned out at all. And he's a free agent, and I, I just don't think they're going to bring him back, and I don't think he's going to be on another team. 
No, they they turned down his team option. Um, look, like you can pick apart the offensive game where like he's turned into a three point shooter who is very streaky and average and can't get to the rim at all, can't score two point efficiently at all. The defense is just a, a absolutely an abysmal. Uh, you know, he fouls absolutely everybody. Can't stay in front of his man. Is still super skinny and can't body up anybody. Uh, can't switch at all. Um, and on top of that, he has some serious like off court issues. Now maybe he's over them now. We've not heard anything in a while, right? And I I hope he is because it was clear mm-hmm. that he was not in a good mental headspace, especially kind of heading into the season last year. But like you just can't be that bad on offense that bad in defense, and then also have off-court distractions. That is the trifecta of finding your way out the NBA. Um, and I just don't think he has he has what it takes to be an NBA player. And, uh, you know, I, I think in the draft, when I, I had him like 21st in the draft, because you look at some of the tough shot making and the athleticism, and you thought, well, but like, I just don't ever think he had it. Um, and yes, he's gotten lucky with some injuries here and there. People still curse James Borrego uh, as if it is his fault that James Booknight has not figured it out by year four. I'm sorry, but you are you are searching for things that are not there. There is no coach in the world that was getting James Booknight to be a, an NBA player. Um, I, he has to take the bulk of this responsibility on himself. You know, he's not been in the Summer League, he's not been in the G League, he's not been in the NBA. He's not been good at any point since he left the University of Connecticut in his sophomore season. Nope. No, I, I, I can't disagree. I feel, you know, it's it's a tough position to be in, to be that high of a draft pick and, and to not pan out. And I hope whatever's going on with him personally is good. Um, but yeah, it hasn't been strong. And he's, you know, the team option got declined for a reason. And yeah, I don't expect him to be back. Also, don't expect Ish to be back. Um, and I, I would make that prediction, uh, no matter what team Ish was on, no matter what year we're talking about. I don't, how many times in his career, and hey, keep in mind, like a 14-year career. How many times has he returned to a team? Like maybe he's like, been three, three times. Like I three times. It's ridiculous, man. And he's Washington, he's one of Philly and Charlotte. I want to say, he's, yeah, he's one of the journeyman legends. You know, all yeah. time. Just like sort of like you think about NFL, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh McCown, or it's like this guy's played for half the teams in the league at this point. You know, it's it's uh, probably probably actually double digit. And I don't know the exact count. But you know yeah. he'll be 36 next year, and this this might be his last season entirely. So, um, and I mean they they signed him like a, a week before the season. I Is mean, that... coming back to what you said earlier, how this team was unserious in the back of guard position, that was just the and it didn't like... need to be like that. That's what kills me about it. It's like they knew that was going to be a problem, and I guess maybe their idea was like we're going to give the young guys time to play by not signing another option who's going to need minutes, but like, man, I feel like they're not, you know, why, why do that? If you're thinking of bringing Ish Smith. Yeah. Right. It's uh, like, I'd rather if, those if, minutes just go to somebody. I don't have an answer for you. Yeah. I didn't have an answer in September. I don't have an answer now. Um, it's it's it was... just totally, totally bizarre. Maybe it's like the front office is sort of, you know, in a weird position because the ownership change, I don't know what to do. I don't know how that would stop you from just, going out and getting even even a semi-serious backup. Well, it's... if I was Mitch Kupchak, I would tell you that we did get you a semi-serious backup. It was Frank Nilakina and he broke his leg, right? And that's why we had to sign a Smith. But even at that point, Frank Nilakina was far from a sure thing. 
as your backup point guard going into a season where you right were- he's he's not you know yeah look I, I think he has more to offer than ish absolutely but like he's not some some no for sure like okay we'll we'll give this guy you know like eight yeah, million we bucks can, a year we can count years. on him for eight to two games it's like he might be he might show something he might like he's not played point guard basically since his first year in new york he might show something but like you can't go into the year like counting on that especially when lamelo ball is your point guard who is coming off ankle surgery. Um, yeah. Also, so I, I agree with you. Ish, unlikely to be back. Um, wouldn't shock me if he made it into some role with the Charlotte Hornets organization in the front office. Probably more the front office than the coaching side, I think, um, due to family commitments. But that is that has come to the end of our rankings here. And I, you know what? We were pretty much... Almost like player for player. We were like one off the entire list. We didn't Apart get as many from, Santa ho-ho-hos. We didn't. PJ Washington, which is by far our biggest disagreement. I think I had PJ 11, you had PJ 6. And that's an interesting one to look at. Because, again, I, I just like look at this like he's got a salary that is movable. And if you're wanting to do things as a new front office, then like he is someone who I think would be easy to move to kind of quite a few places. And like you can get you're not having to give up assets, I don't think, to trade PJ Washington. No. Um, and I think that for that, me, that reason is like, let's look to upgrade somewhere in the position, either starting or backup four. So he's the he's the only one um, who I think we maybe have a, a wider range on. But uh, you are right; he's got two fully guaranteed seasons after this one. Um, that probably does make him more likely. But I just I just have a feeling that they're they're gonna look for something more but i think you're probably you're probably safer i think with your prediction of six and i'm at 11 yeah i i still think he's gonna end up being back um but i i understand where you're coming from okay that brings our rankings to an end um our final part of the show we want to have one christmas gift for the charlotte hornets for the rest of the season so as you're the guest, I will let you go first. What is your Christmas gift for the Charlotte Hornets? Ankle braces for LaMelo Ball. <laughs> uh, or course. maybe more specifically, you know, LaMelo not messing up his ankle anymore. A healthy LaMelo Ball. But you have to get the ones he likes, Matt, because he okay. doesn't like the ones that he got given. All right? I'm trusting that Santa will <laughs> know that somehow. Or if we're saying that we can gift the Hornets anything and like, you know, like magic genie rules, like I, I can just wish for something. Then it would probably be for Lamelo to just never get injured ever again and play 82 games every year for the rest of his career until he's 45. Um, but yeah, I would say a healthy Lamelo without him. I mean, the team is just just a brutal watch, uh, and I, I can't believe this. I'm is being honest, they were brutal. They were a brutal ago. watch with Lamelo this year. Like, yeah, he was I, great I mean, individually, but like the team itself. The team well, is still... just awful. They're just yeah. terrible, man. I really, I really can't believe that this is where we're at after the season we had two years ago with a winning record. I thought yeah. the Hornets were on the up and up, and you know they had all these you know young draft picks. Where I'm like, oh, they're going to start being a thing possibly, and they might give you some good minutes. And it's just gone about as poorly as it could possibly go. Okay, I'm going to stick on a similar theme. Last year, I, I wished for a Mason Plumley trade. Uh, this year, I am wishing for a Gordon Hayward trade uh, before the deadline. Uh, if they just let Gordon Hayward play the rest of the season, let him go in free agency for nothing, again, I think it is organizational malpractice. I said the same year with Mason Plumley. Um, I expect the Hornets to be comfortably out of any playing contention by February trade deadline. And... Yeah. 
I think Gordon Hayward is good enough that you will probably get some seconds, maybe. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. Like, I was thinking, like, you know, like what contending team has the, the bigger question is the, what contending team has matching contracts that so are. I have two exact, I have two for you. Is Philly one of them? Yes. So yeah, it is Marcus Morris is. and Robert Covington would be to the Philadelphia 76ers. And I think, like, that would probably be one if if Philly missed out on OG Ananobi looking for like a, another option, like Gordon Hayward is there. Like you literally give us some seconds and you can take Gordon Hayward. I think that will be, uh, that's the one sitting there. The other one, which is, I've not heard seen as many people talk about is the Miami heat who have Kyle Lowry making basically similar money as Gordon Hayward. And if like, he's actually playing a bigger role for them because Tyler hero is injured at the minute. But if like, maybe if Miami just looked and said, we need more wing scoring, so we want to add Gordon Hayward. But Jaime Helkes has looked really good this year. And yeah. maybe with him there, they don't see Gordon Hayward. Like they probably have similar-ish roles, which is weird as that to say, considering one's a rookie and one's 34. Um, but they actually kind of do play somewhat in similar styles. So uh, those are the kind of the two that jumped to my mind in terms of just like no long-term money coming back and contenders who need a veteran on the, on, to come play in that rotation. Yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. I don't think that's unfair. Um... You know, Hayward, he's not, he's always been a little bit underrated during his time in Charlotte, I think, uh, especially when he first got here. I mean, he, he really, really was one of the better players on the team. He was always overpaid. You know, I, I can't deny that. Um, but if a contending team wants him, there's no reason why Charlotte should hold on to him and go ahead and grab those seconds. No problem, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Okay, Matt, that uh, that finishes the show for us. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we much appreciate it. And look, we will probably next podcast, maybe this time next year again, but I will hope that I do get to speak to you before then because it's always good to talk Charlotte Hornets with you. Um, do you want to tell people where they can find you online, where they can find your podcast, all that, all that stuff? Uh, stay hot on Spotify, Apple, YouTube. Me personally, I'm at M on Twitter and uh, I'm at spawn hour on TikTok, which I also do. Uh, those are my oh. main two platforms. You want to find me? That's where you should go. But thank you for having me on uh, anytime. Absolutely. I I'm glad to sit down and talk. It's always a good time. And hopefully we will be doing this again next year. Absolutely. And hopefully the Charlotte Hornets are in a, a more, hopefully they're a little place. bit better. Yes. Hopefully they're a little bit better. We can only hope. Okay. Thanks Matt. Uh, everyone have happy holidays and we will, you'll hear from us soon.